All right, if you would, take your Bibles then, Joshua, in chapter 16. Joshua, chapter 16. <clears throat> Whenever you find your place in Joshua 16, if you wouldn't mind to stand. But Joshua's not always. All right. We are in the middle of dividing the land. We've dealt with the inheritance for Judah. And, all right, Judah, you got all your stuff now. So, And then <laughs> now we're moving on to Joseph, which we'll find is actually two uh, tribes, and we'll deal with that tonight. But Joshua chapter 16, we're going to... Now our text is all of chapter 16 and all the way through chapter 17, verse 13. And so it's quite the passage. Uh, a lot of it, as, as you know, as we've noticed, uh, is just describing the land. So we'll kind of jump around and hit the high points as we, as we uh, get into this passage. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 16. <clears throat> and the lot of the children of Joseph fell from Jordan by Jericho unto the water of Jericho on the east to the wilderness that goeth up from Jericho throughout Mount Bethel <clears throat> and goeth out from Bethel to Luz. And passeth along unto the, bar, uh, the borders of Arki and Etaroth, and goeth down westward to the coast of Japhati, Japhati, I think, actually, unto the coast of Bethhoron, the Nether, and to Gezer, and the goings out thereof are at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, so those are the tribes we're dealing with. Those Manasseh and Ephraim were the children of Joseph, and they each got a tribe, took their inheritance, and then Verses 5 through 9 uh, delineate Ephraim's boundaries, their uh, inheritance, and just really describes the land. And again, you know, we're skipping it off for, for our sake, and you go back and read that. Um, doesn't These descriptive, descriptive terms don't mean a lot to us. They would have meant a lot to Ephraim. They would have known uh, what that meant, and, and that would have been their inheritance. So it is important. We're just not going to take the time to uh, dive in and explain every one of those landmarks there. But 5 through 9 is, is that. Then we'll read verse 10. And they, Ephraim, drave, drave not out the Canaanites. Like, come on, guys. Like, you had one job, okay? That dwelt in Gezer. But the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day, and here's an important phrase, and serve under tribute. <clears throat> so that's the, Ephraim, uh, the, the tribe of Ephraim. Then chapter 17, 1 through 11, it lists Manasseh's boundary. So it's the other son of Joseph. And then we get to verse number 12, where it says this. Yea, I'm sorry, yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. But the Canaanites would dwell in that land. And it came to, yet it came to pass, when the children of Israel were waxen strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. And so uh, the title tonight is this. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. Subtitle, don't choose tribute over triumph. In your spiritual life, don't settle for tribute over triumph. And we'll explain what that means here in the course of preaching. Let's pray. We'll get into it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, for the truths that we have from your word from Lord, what would seem uh, on a surface level like just land deeds and handing out, Lord, portions of land to different tribes. Lord, your word is so powerful and, 
and there's truth here for us, and it's so timeless. We're thankful for it. Help us, God, to understand your word tonight. Help us to take the truth of your word and apply them to our heart as we get into it. Lord, we love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you <clears throat> so much for standing. So, again, we dealt in with verses 1 through 4 to start with, and, and that gives the overview of the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And then really for the next two chapters, we deal with that. We're going to stop our reading where we did, but we're dealing with the tribes of the children of Joseph. So what's that all about? Well, Joseph, if you remember, if you've read through Genesis in your Bible reading, uh, Genesis 37, I believe, to the end of the book, is really all about Joseph. We have Abraham, and then we have Isaac, then we have Jacob, and then really we spend a lot of time learning about Joseph. Joseph was um, was really the youngest at the time. Uh, Benjamin was younger than him, but one of the younger brothers, and he's the one that got the coat of many colors and all of that, and, and his life's incredible, and it's, it's a worthy read. If you've read it a billion times, read it again, uh, because Joseph's really an example to us, isn't he, of of life isn't fair, but God's in control. Amen? And, and even when life's not fair, it doesn't give us a license to have a bad attitude and, and throw up our hands because God's in control, right? And, and the things that happened to Joseph were not his fault. Um, now, he was not sinless, but uh, we, don't re- we, we don't have any recording of the, the sins of his life because the things that happened to him were really the result of other people's sin. And he still trusted God, even through all of it. And all the trials and all the tribulations he went through, God used him in a mighty way. Really, in every stage of the way, God used him, but really had an ultimate plan of, of using Joseph and his life to provide for his people, and then eventually even to make it into Egypt and, and all of that. And so <clears throat> because of the faithfulness of Joseph, when it came time to pass out the tribes. Joseph, uh, Jacob has made its way, his way to, to Egypt, and now we're talking about the tribes of, of Israel. The tribes would come out of the children of Jacob. So we have Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob. Jacob had these sons. He had 13 sons? 12 sons. I'm losing it. Anyway, he had, he had a lot of sons, okay? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and this is a whole part of that. And so anyway, the tribes, the names of the tribes are all uh, named after uh, the sons of Jacob. And Joseph, his, his, there is no tribe of Joseph. And the reason is because of Joseph's faithfulness, his children then, the lineage actually passed on through Joseph into his two kids. And so Joseph really uh, received two tribes, okay? And, the, and they were named after his son, Manasseh and Ephraim. <clears throat> and so... Manasseh and Ephraim, we read, we, we didn't read them, but you come in your own time, the verses 5 through 9, and then verses uh, chapter 17, 1 through uh, 11, describe the land that they received. And really, the, the land they received, if you go through and you study where they are and, and the topography of the land, it was a beautiful land right there in central Canaan. And really, in a lot of ways, their territory was the most beautiful land of Canaan, their territory was the most fertile land in Canaan, and so they were blessed, right? And you remember how they passed out the territories, right, by lots, and they just trusted God, and God was in and through all of this, and so God blessed Manasseh and Ephraim, and the reason why God blessed them was because not of their faithfulness, but because of the faithfulness of Joseph. And so there is a, there is a lesson for us here 
that as we decide to live for God, as we decide to be faithful to God and trust God with our life, God can use that and bless not just your life, but for generations to come. These people who are being blessed with the land of Canaan, this is 400, not 400 years, yeah, a long time, okay? I'm losing numbers tonight, but it was a long time ago that, that Joseph lived and was faithful to God, and they're still reaping the benefits of a faithful life. And so that should encourage you tonight. And, and you, do you, you remember how it was for Joseph. Most of his life was kind of a bummer, you know? And as we're being faithful to God, and as we're as things aren't going how we really would like them to go, sometimes we can get discouraged by that, and sometimes we can think that maybe God isn't as faithful as He says He is. We can be tempted that way. Um, but, but God, even though Joseph went through a lot, God used His faithfulness and blessed His faithfulness for generations to come. And so these two tribes were uh, beneficiaries of that. <clears throat> but, but here's the thing, even though they received much because of Joseph's obedience. We're going to see tonight, they didn't really follow Joseph's example. And Joseph was faithful to God, and Joseph, as far as we can tell, obeyed God fully, and, and, you know, and as, as well as a man could. Um, his, unfortunately, his, his son's namesake tribes didn't really do that. And so verses 1 through 4 just kind of tell us that we're looking at their inheritance. Look at verse 4. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim took their inheritance. And again, we read verses nine through, 5 through 9, what that land looked like for Ephraim. And we get to verse 10, where it says, And they drave not out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day and serve under tribute. And so, as you're looking at this, uh, the Ephraimites, they didn't do what they were supposed to. And as you read it, you're almost thinking, okay, so this is more of the same, right? Judah didn't drive out who they were supposed to drive out. Now we're getting to Ephraim. They didn't drive out the Canaanites like they were supposed to. If you remember, God was very clear that they need to drive out everyone, totally annihilate the Canaanites. And we've, we've dealt with this already, but there's a couple reasons for that. One is because the Canaanites have proven that they would not repent. They, they have shown themselves uh, rebellious, and God has given them 400 years to repent. They wouldn't do it. And so part of this is God uh, judging Canaan. Okay, so, so they're being instruments of God in the judgment of the Canaanites. That's part of it. The other part is this, that as they're dealing with and letting these people live in their lands who will refuse to follow God, here's what Moses warned them, and God through Moses warned them. If you leave the Canaanites in your land, you will begin eventually to follow their gods. And you'll start doing things that you ought not to do. And you'll start uh, losing trust in God, Jehovah. And so they weren't doing it. And so it almost feels like we're just going to preach the same sermon we did as we preached through Judah. Um, but there are uh, a subtle difference. There is a subtle difference uh, with these tribes that we can learn from and that will be a help to us. <clears throat> and so... If you look at what Judah did, it's actually the verse right before our passage, the last verse of chapter 15. So chapter 15, verse 63, it says, As for the Jebusites, remember the Jebusites, these are the ones that Judah failed to drive out of their land. These are one of the groups of Canaanites they were supposed to, to drive out. It says this, and as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, it says, The children of Judah could not 
drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. And so the Bible says that Judah could not drive them out. <clears throat> now we dealt with that last time that we were in Joshua. I think it was a couple weeks ago. But the reason why Judah could not drive out the, the Canaanites was not because they weren't able to. God told them that they could, right? God, and it wasn't because God didn't command them to. No, God had already said, drive out the Canaanites, and God had already said, I will drive them out from before you. God said that. And so the reason why they could not was really because they would not trust God. And I think there's probably a part of them that wanted to get rid of them, and they wanted the Jebusites out of their hair. The Jebusites was a thorn in their side for generations to come, but for whatever reason, no matter how badly they wanted to drive out the Jebusites, they could not because they would not believe that God can do it. And we learned from that last time, didn't we? That there are some things in our life that we know God doesn't want us to be involved in. There are things that we know God wants us to get out of our life, but for whatever reason, we convince ourselves we can't do it. And we just live with it. And we just keep this and harbor this sin in our life, and, and we want it out of our life, but we won't believe God that He will help us do it. Right? And so what we need to do is have faith. Right? And, and faith that if God wants you to do it, then you can do it. Right? We talked about David and Goliath. And there is no external evidence that says David's going to beat Goliath. The, uh, size, ability, training, everything was on Goliath's side, except for the one thing that matters is that God wanted David to defeat Goliath. And, and Saul and the army, they were sizing up Goliath, and they were looking at their, uh, their size, and they said, nope, we can't do it. He's bigger than us. But David didn't care about that. David never asked how big, he didn't really, well, he knew, but he, he never was really concerned with how big Goliath was. He wasn't really concerned with how uh, small he was. All David wanted to know is, does God want me to do it? And if God wants me to do it, then I can do it. And that's how we need to live our life. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, and it doesn't mean it's not going to take work. God's not going to just, just take over and, and get rid of it without you doing anything. No, we have to we need to enter the battlefield. We need to throw the, the rock, but God will do it, right? Okay. And so, really, Judah's problem was a lack of faith in the power of God. And as a result of that, the Jebusites were a, a thorn in their side. Now, again, it would seem like Ephraim was just doing the same thing, which in a sense they did. They, they weren't trusting God. They weren't obeying God. But the subtle difference is here, if we pay attention, look at, uh, again, chapter 16, verse 10, the last verse of chapter 16. <clears throat> and they, this is the Ephraimites, drave not out the Canaanites. Now, in the other verse, it said they could not drive them out. Here, it just says they did not drive them out. They drive, drave them not out. And here's why. Look at the last part of that. But the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day and serve under tribute. They serve under tribute. Judah said they could not. And again, that would imply they maybe wanted to, and they tried, but they couldn't, right? Because they didn't trust God. The Bible says that Ephraim, a little bit different, he allowed the Canaanites, that tribe, allowed the Canaanites to stay. Because Ephraim kind of wanted the Canaanites to stay. Well, why? 
so they can be tribute. Well, what is that? Slaves. Ephraim wanted a slave force. Yeah, so, so presumably it would seem that Ephraim had the ability to drive them out, but instead chose to let them stay, and, and they decided that it would be better for them if they keep the Canaanites and use them for their gain instead of obeying God and driving them out. Are we following that? You see the difference between Judah and Ephraim? <clears throat> and then really, um, Manasseh did very similar. Again, we get to chapter 7, 1 through 11 is, is Manasseh's <coughs> um, inheritance. And we get to chapter 17, verses 12 and 13, which say, yet, I can't even say yay, yet the children of Manasseh, now this is interesting, it says could not drive out the inhabitants. So now, now this is a faith thing, they can't do it. Uh, but the Canaanites would dwell on the land. But look at verse 13. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong, so now the excuses are gone, now they definitely have the ability and they are able to drive the Canaanites out. It says this, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. And so here it's clear. They could have driven them out, but they chose to keep them around as tribute. Yeah. And so Ephraim and Manasseh, these brothers, they're in the same boat here, aren't they? And they chose to allow the Canaanites to stick around as tribute. They both, they both decided... They both decided that it would be in their best interest as a tribe to keep the Canaanites around and, and then use them for their own good, use them as servants. They convinced themselves that if they kept the Canaanites around, instead of destroying them, that it would be better for them, they would be better off, and they can use this new slave force they have to develop their land, they can use them to make more money, and probably in the beginning they did. Probably. As, as they, like we said here, they rose up, they were waxing strong, the Canaanites were kind of helpless to it and, and wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. And so uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, they, they took these Canaanites, they used them as a slave force, they would, they would have used them to prepare the land and develop the land and, and make themselves a great tribe or whatever. But if you go to the book of Judges, which you won't tonight, um, you'll find this out, that the Canaanites... That, the, that they kept around and they took captive and they took advantage of, eventually rose up. And they took Israel captive. And they took advantage of Israel. And Israel thought it was going to be okay to keep these guys around. And even though God said to drive them out, they thought they knew better than God. They thought that, I don't really care what God says about, I, I see why others maybe need to drive them out, but for me, it would be better if I just kept on and held on to them because I have some advantage. And then we found later that what they thought they could handle, they couldn't handle, right? And what they thought they were going to use and take captive over that and use it for their own good eventually took over and was captive over them. Listen, if you keep your sin around, I don't know what God's dealing with you right now. There's a good chance He's already poking at you right now. I'm not doing that. But there's a good chance that 
you have some area of your life that you know God doesn't want in your life, and it's been preached about and talked about, you're reading your Bible, uh, you know, in your Bible reading or whatever, and you know God does not want this in your life, but you have decided that it would be better if you went ahead and kept it, kept it, kept it, right? And you, and maybe right now you're convincing yourself that you can control it. No, I won't let it get out of hand. No, it's helping my life. No, you don't see the advantage that it's bringing. Listen, eventually, what you think that you're going to take control of is going to take control of you. And it's going to use you to its advantage. This is how Satan works, isn't it? And he comes in subtly, and he pretends to be weak, and he says, oh, this isn't a big deal. Right? What did he say to Eve? Hath God said, you know, it's not a big deal. And, and he'll come in your life, and he'll say, it's just a little bit. Come on, it's just one look. Right? You can handle it. This every once in a while, just one drink. Right? You're, you know, you're not, you're not getting out of hand here. It's just a drink. And, and you know, that church over there, they're a cult anyway. Who are they to say? And plus the Bible says, take a little wine. And so just a drink. No big deal. You can handle it. It won't take long before you wake up and what you think you're controlling is controlling you. Yeah, I know God doesn't want me to marry this person and I don't plan to marry him, but we're just having fun. And it's not a big deal. We're not hurting any. That's really what we tell ourselves. We're not hurting anybody. Nobody has to know about it. And, and it's a kind of a pet sin. And so, God, you, you, the only reason you, wanna, you would want to get it out of your life at this point is because God said to. Can I tell you that's enough? Like, I don't have to sit here and deal with every sin and describe to you how eventually it will wreck your life. It should be enough that God said not to do it. But then we, we, well, here's what we do. Well, God said not to do it. Let me think about it. Why does God say not to do it? Well, what's going to happen? Oh, I can handle that. Isn't that exactly what Ephraim and Manasseh did? God said, get the Canaanites out of your life. Drive them out, drive them out. All of them. Yeah, they should, but why did he say that? Oh, so these Canaanites, this little group of people, they're going to influence and take over my tribe? No, I, I can handle it. And plus, if we keep them around, just think of all the things we'll get done. This will be better. We'll just keep them. And they did. And, and, and it did actually, it did take long. And sometimes it does take long. Right? But eventually, it got out of control. Um, and I, I, I doesn't say it, but I'm pretty sure that at first it was awesome. I, check it out, guys. You, all you other wimpy tribes, you got rid of your guys. Or we, we kept them. And look, what's, look how we're doing. And look at all the work we're getting done. And they, they start, maybe, maybe even start thinking, well, what does God even know anyway? And I'm a, what else can I, you know what I'm saying? And it went really good for them for a while. But eventually, it got out of hand. Why? Because they could not handle it. 
They forgot, maybe, that the reason they had victory over Canaan was not their own strength, but God's strength. Right? And, and so they started winning all these battles, and they started taking care of Canaan, and now they think they can control a little bit of it, and they, take, they took control of it, and they started to handle them well, and while they were gaining control over Canaan, maybe, and maybe able to control them and do that, what they were losing was God's power, and they were losing was God's blessing, and they were losing was God's, was God's hand in this whole thing, and when, as God stepped away, that thing got stronger, and they were wiped. I don't know what it is that God's dealing with you about tonight. But drive it out. Drive it out. No, not even a little bit. Not even one. Right? And, and, and I, God doesn't have to convince you about it. God doesn't have to convince you about it. Because here's what sin does. It destroys. Sin always destroys. Maybe not right now. But eventually. And maybe, maybe you have held on to this thing, and maybe for now you think you're okay. And by the way, um, most of the time, you don't know it, but everyone else can probably pretty much see that you're not okay. That you think you're okay. If you've got this thing in your life, you're not okay. Get it out of your life. Drive it out of your life. You can't handle it. No, you can't handle it. And right now, what you think is God being wrong, and that you have not paid yet, is actually God being gracious to you. That He has not dropped the hammer yet. That He has not allowed this thing to overtake your life. But I'm telling you, if you keep playing around with this thing, and playing with fire, and keeping it in your life, and keeping it on your phone, and keeping it in your cupboards, or keeping it wherever you're keeping it, where no one else knows, God knows. And, you, and, and right now, maybe you've not paid the price Let's thank God for that. Let's repent over this and get it out of your life before it does overcome and overtake and you become the book of Judges. We don't want to see that. Um, <clears throat> I preached a message. We'll be done with this with, to the men. And it's a message that I heard at a men's meeting in Arizona about King David. Remember King David? Remember his sin with Bathsheba? And the title of the message was, How Good Men Fall. How Good Men Fall. And David was a good man, wasn't he? And really, as I threw out the name David, you probably were thinking Goliath. You, we already mentioned that tonight. And, and he's the, God, the man after God's own heart. He's the man that, that, uh, that through the root of David, through the line of David, the Messiah came. And so he, has a, he was a good man, and he fell. And he fell with Bathsheba. And he became an adulterer, and he became a murderer. How did all that happen? Well, here's how it happened. He started to trust himself too much. And he started to think he can handle it. And he started to think he can, he can just go peek over the ledge and see what he sees. And he started to think that, no, it'll just be one night with Bathsheba. And he started to think, no, it won't be a big deal. We'll just have Uriah come down. And he kept trying to manage and control his sin, and it wrecked him. And a good man fell. And I don't want to see any of us in that, in that area, in that position. And so what do we do? Well, we do this. We understand this. We cannot handle it. We can't keep it in our life. We have a, we have, we have a pride thing that says, other people, they can't handle this, but I can handle this. Right? They, they can watch those movies and that thing and listen to that. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't listen to those movies, uh, listen to that music. They shouldn't watch that, that movie. They shouldn't drink that. They shouldn't go here. They shouldn't talk to them. But I'm strong as a Christian, 
I could handle that movie, I could handle that music, I could handle that, that drink, I could handle that place. No, you can't. And it's about the time when David was at the apex of his own pride that he tumbled. And, and that's exactly what happened with Manasseh and Ephraim. You can't handle it. You cannot handle it. And so let's choose triumph, triumph over tribute. Triumph over tribute. Don't settle for using your sin. Let's, let's aim for eradication, for victory, for triumph. Get it out of your life. Get it out of your life before it takes over your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how clear and really in a lot of ways just blunt it is. God, we need to hear messages like this along the way. <clears throat> Sometimes we get overconfident in ourself and our ability to handle sin. And it's so deceptive, it's so wily. And Satan right now is in the hearts of some of your people tonight, trying to convince them that they can handle it. I pray that you would work in their heart, help them, Lord, to have, have uh, very clear direction as to what they need to get out of their life. All of us, myself included, Help us not to trust ourselves. Help us to drive it out and to trust that you'll give victory through it. Lord, we love you. Christ in my prayer. Amen. Let's all stand together for the mic's going to play.